Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, CEO and founder of Project Purple, and today we're on the phone with a special guest, CrossFit professional and amazing person, Margo Alvarez. Thank you for joining us on the Project Purple podcast, Margo. Of course, thanks for, be, for um, having me on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. And in the studio today, I've got our wonderful producer, Sam, doing a great job as he does also, always. Sam and our CrossFit uh, program manager Vin Camp. Hey everybody. So Margo for our listeners at home and we've got a pretty vast audience. I mean we have been dabbling in CrossFit for the last this is our fourth year and really our biggest year um, but we bring a variety you know we, we talked a little bit before we started recording here about how we started this with running and then it expanded into CrossFit and now we're getting into indoor cycling. Um, but it's got this heavy focus around pancreatic cancer. And you know, for a lot of people listening, um, this might be the first time they hear your name. And, and for those folks at home listening that may have not know who you are, um, why don't you give our audience just some of your background? And as I always tell our, our guests, you can give the audience as much or as little as you want. Um, so I was born in La Jolla, California. Um, I lived there for the first five years of my life. My two younger sisters were born there as well. And after my youngest sister was born, we ended up moving to Seattle, Washington, uh, Mercer Island. We lived there for a couple of years. And then when I was eight, we moved to Montana. And then I pretty much grew up in Montana. So I kind of consider myself a Montana girl in that aspect. Um, grew up there, went through high school, um, was involved in like numerous different activities. I did horseback riding, ballet. My sisters did jazz. Did Taekwondo, uh, ended up getting my black belt when I was 12. Um, did volleyball and golf in high school, and then I graduated um, in 2003. And then I went to school at Hawaii Pacific University on the islands, Hawaiian Islands, and I went there for about five years. And um, I tried to go there for a volleyball or a golf scholarship. It was a little too short for volleyball and for golf. They didn't really have a team getting getting it started or getting it going. Um, there was a coach that was interested, but it never actually came to fruition. So ended up passing on that and focused on doing travel abroad. So I did a, a semester, about, but yeah, about a semester in Monaco and then about six or seven weeks of a summer program in Salamanca, Spain. And I think I, I really loved it just because I was able to travel and get to be in different environments. Um, and then I graduated college. And then in 2008, I moved to the Bay Area. I had family and friends there. And again, like I said, I was really active. And when I moved to the Bay, I got into running. Um, actually, did a few half marathons and like obstacle course races. Um, I just love the challenge to like push myself to something different that I've never done before. Um, and that actually kind of led me into CrossFit. Um, some friends had told me about it, and I was doing a tough mudder race, and I was trying to get back into my martial arts background. And I wanted to get back into Taekwondo and some sort of jujitsu or something of that nature. And so I joined a UFC gym and actually had friends that were telling me about CrossFit. So I eventually tried it a couple months later and it like fell like head over heels in love with it. And, um, that was kind of like the start of my CrossFit journey. Um, I lived in California till about 2014 and then in 2014, um, my boyfriend at the time, now fiance, we moved to Texas and we were there for a year. And then I had some family stuff come up and my grandma was in the hospital, moved to Montana, lived there for a little bit, and then moved to Utah to actually start the wine business in 2016. And then just recently actually moved to Las Vegas two months ago to 
to build the business more and help it grow and expand. And we're actually looking to um, scale the production now. So that was like a really short version of my <laughs> life <laughs> in a nutcase. So you you definitely have seen the world and the United States pretty much west yeah. of the Mississippi because I didn't hear too much east of the Mississippi, but primarily west yeah. of the Mississippi, which is pretty amazing to be able to be that young and to be able to travel that much. Was your family, uh, you said you moved around a little bit, was the family military or was it just job or was it just uh, something else? Yeah, I, would, I wasn't military. I've never, I, I, I didn't know a lot of military people moved around a lot until I met a lot of people through CrossFit and I was in the military. But um, yeah. I, I, it's we. I mean, we moved around three times growing up, so I think I thought it's kind of it's not normal or something that was typical people to do. Um, there are opportunities I think that pr- were presented to my mom and my dad for jobs and for work yeah. and stuff. So I moved around, and I think the, the cities that they were living in were getting busier and more populated, and I think they wanted to go to less populated areas. Um, and so I think that was a big incentive to go to Montana, but Montana was like the complete opposite where there's like not many people around, which was kind of nice for my, I think my dad really wanted that. Um, I mean, I lived on a dirt road and my grandparents lived across the, like across the way. And I think it was, you talk about like a small town feel, I think that definitely was it. Um, I'm really glad I grew up in that kind of environment. I think it allowed me the opportunity to explore a lot of different things. Um, I graduated with about a little under 110 kids in my like my my grade and i know like if you go to a big city like people have like five to six hundred people in their grade plus or minus obviously um and i think being in montana like we were outdoors my sisters and i played around a lot and just were active um whether it was indoors outdoors doing variety of activities but i think it really gave us um at least myself an opportunity to enjoy life and get after and try a lot of things at a younger age so as i grew up like i was like all right well i've tried this or experimented this and I think growing up and being in different environments, at least three up until I was age eight, um, I kind of felt like, oh, traveling, and that's part of your life, that's something that you, that you want to do, that you should try to do. Um, and so when I couldn't do any sports at a collegiate level in college, I think my focus, my shift was like, all right, well, I, I can't do that. I'm gonna try something else that I'd like to do. And that was traveling and learning as much as I could. And I had the opportunity during um, my high school years we did a family trip to Italy um, during spring break, and that obviously, like, so much culture and so much opportunity to meet and go somewhere else and, like, just get saturated with something that you aren't around. And so I think that was really cool, and I really thrived on that. I love that ability to learn about something else. And I think I'm a very curious person in itself, and so I, I just try to make sure that when I was in university and I had the opportunity to travel, I took advantage of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So. What was your major in college, if you don't mind me asking? Because I don't think you mentioned. So it's corporate communications. Um, it was it's a BSBA, so it's focused on business, but also um, like public speaking. And so that was something that I started with, and I thought I was. I mean, I wasn't really hundred percent sure what I wanted to go into do, but I know I loved communications. I know I loved meeting people, so I thought that might be a good route. And once I started my first two years, I uh, a lot of my credits were very similar to international business minor, so I ended up adding an international business minor and actually a minor in Spanish. And so it was really quite, like, I mean, my dad's from Mexico, and so I have that, I mean, I've had opportunities to travel to Mexico when I was little, my, both my family and I, and obviously wanting to know the language and speak the language was really important, so I wanted to make sure that I was studying that. And I don't use it on a daily basis, which is unfortunate. Um, I try to, anytime I get to speak it or anytime I can tap into it and utilize it, I think it's important. If you go and you 
travel abroad like anyone. A lot of friends I met when I did my study abroad in Monaco, a lot of them grew up learning three to four different languages. It was a staple to have more than just your native tongue in English. It was a requirement to have a third or even fourth language in their primary school. So that was something I think I really wanted to incorporate in my, at least my education a little bit. Um, again, I don't practice it much now, but it's something that I, I think it was important. Growing up, I wanted to at least instill that in myself and have that to be able to use for conversation. That's pretty fascinating because if like if you look, you know, if you you know, they always say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You can always go back yeah. and say things, but if you kind of forward think and look back at you know your career now, fast forward, and and you know, we, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the business end of you know both sports, or, or I should say, of mm-hmm. CrossFit and then the wine business. Like I can see where that kind of all comes full circle. You know, even though you didn't know it at the time, right? But now it's like it's like it all comes full circle. So, you know, being that diverse and having that experience, and I can see, you know, having a strong, you know, uh, corporate communications and a business background, um, and the public speaking aspect and all that, it all kind of comes full circle, which is pretty fascinating to see. So that's why I wanted to know. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. I think push it puts pushes that boundary a little bit by. You know, I mean, obviously having the knowledge, but then, you know, from at least myself, putting myself in a situation where I can talk to others and meet others. And, you know, it may be uncomfortable in the sense where maybe you don't know the people, but that's with opportunity. Like, that's where that growth comes from. Whether you, if you look at CrossFit, like, you can't do something, you're challenging yourself to do it. You know, that growth will come from once you learn that movement or improve on that skill. And I think that can be transferred over to like, business or career or even schooling, language, whatever it may be. Um, and obviously, like being as versatile as, as possible is always a good thing. Um, I know it's something that I looked at. I look at myself as like a CrossFit athlete. I I knew that was something I didn't want to just be defined as is just a CrossFit athlete. Like I'm only good at CrossFit. I I knew it's an important <laughs> and it's been a big staple for my life and what I've accomplished up until this point. Um, but it's like I say I go anywhere else, and it's like you don't know CrossFit. It's like well, what's CrossFit? You know, <clears throat> you you go to the airport, you go to a grocery store, and you know it's it puts things in perspective. So something like, and nothing to take away people that are, you know, they've made their living on just being a CrossFit athlete. Nothing's wrong with that. Um, but I think it's something that growing up, I wanted to make sure that I was multifaceted in avenues, whether that be again, business or whatever. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty powerful stuff there. And I think that's a lesson as I went to the games this year for the first time. And I said to a lot of people, I really feel bad for a lot of these athletes because I think it's gotten, and this is from an outsider point of view, and this is not a knock on CrossFit, but I think it is so competitive. And unless you train day in, day out, it is your, you eat, sleep, train CrossFit. And what's the reward at the end of that, Margo? Like, what do you, you know, what are you able to sustain a life, um, you know, in terms of living a a certain lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle might be. And I I think just like in anything else, and I know you've had tremendous amount of success, but I always, you know, you look at any industry, the top 2% are really the people that are thriving and making, you know, enough money where they don't have to worry as long as they perform at that level, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it's very interesting um, to me to that. So it's, it, that's a very powerful message though. And that's kind of, I saw it from the basketball end, you know, where, you know, we're in Connecticut and we've had great success at UConn throughout the years and you see these kids come in for a year and then you know they try to get to the NBA 
and they don't make it. Mm-hmm. And then what do they have to fall back on? They didn't get through the th- other three years of schooling, you know, which is sad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's very powerful for those people listening at home. I mean, that, that shouldn't define who you are, these other things and the successes that you have along with those as well. I mean, because we shouldn't over, I mean, you've, you've had tremendous success in that arena, which is amazing. And Margo, I just want to like to touch on that, just the CrossFit side for a little while. I know you started in 2011, um, and I believe through some of my research, um, you almost qualified for your first Open in 2012, right? You finished in the top 50, I think, if I recall, or somewhere close. Yeah. You know, for your first Open, Um, but then after that, I mean, it's just a model of consistency. You know, third, third, second, third, third, first, six times game athlete. You were finished in the top 10 at the games in 2015. Um, So, I mean, just consistent over the years as you're getting older. I mean, what are some of the things that you contribute that, you know, success and that consistency to as, you know, whether it's, you know, mindset and training and just that whole aspect of, you know, being able to go and facing the different challenges, you know, year in and year out. I uh, think a lot. It's a blend. I think definitely the the mental strength and the mental fortitude obviously is important um, to be in a gym day after day, hour after hour, and dedicate that much time to it. Um, I think when I first found CrossFit, I was, and I think a lot of us. I, I can't again, I can't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people at first find CrossFit you get so excited and like they talk about the Kool Aid drinking <laughs> CrossFit, where you get so amped and you're just like swimming in it, and all you can think and eat do is eat, drink it, and I, I mean, I took my level one um, about four months after finding CrossFit, and I volunteered for the SoCal Regionals that same year, 2011, and then went to the games qualif- or, um, as a as a volunteer as well. So volunteering for the, both the SoCal Regionals, that was when NorCal had two separate regionals. Yeah, right. um, and then even volunteering for the games that year, I just saw the level of competition, saw the level of, um, of athletics that these men, women, and teams had, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, I want to be able to see if I can try to do that. And I definitely threw myself head in first, in terms of wanting to compete, wanting to be at that level. Um, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do whatever it is to get there, like whether I fail or succeed, you know, like I'm just going to at least like, give it a try, and if I don't get there, then at least I like, give it a shot. And I mm-hmm. think of, and it's interesting, I always think back to like a year before when, or two years before, like when I met some girlfriends, um, we're all personal trainers, and they said they were going to run a full marathon for her birthday, and I was like, well, heck, man, I'll, I'll run it with you guys. Like, I, I ran, but it was maybe, like, a couple miles, but then I ended up training with them and ended up doing a half marathon. And when I reached that goal, I was like, I'm good with a half marathon. I don't think I need to do a full one. Um, I'll, like, I'll check that box and move on. And, and then I look now, and it's like, I think, obviously, goals can change throughout your year, but throughout the years that you were around and what you decide to dedicate yourself to. But I told myself, you know, I'm at least give it a shot. I, I, don't, I don't make it, I don't make it. And in 2012, when I qualified for regionals, I came 17th, and the goal that year for myself was just make it to that last workout, and that was my goal, and then go from there. Obviously, in my mind, I think I was like, yes, I can make it to the games this year, but right. obviously being realistic, it's going to be hard to make it to the games if you don't have muscle-ups. Um, but I think year after year, obviously, like, looking, uh, the biggest thing that, I mean, because Alex is my fiance and also coach, so we've been together since the beginning in terms of coach-athlete, and being consistent at looking at what I'm physically doing, where I need to adapt and get better, but being accountable to my mm-hmm. goal, taking some time to like reflect on my work and where I'm at. And a big component is that, again, that mental aspect, like you train your body, we go to the gym, we do the work, and you do the lifts and the gymnastics and the accessory and the Metcons, and that's great, and that's measurable. And we in CrossFit, like I'm on level one staff, and we talk about that, about you know measuring your fitness and measuring your nutrition 
but it's also like how you measuring your your mental aspect, your mental like are you training that as well? Because I think that's something that definitely needs um, some attention. And if you don't give it time attention, then it may be strong in the beginning, but as the years go on, things may deteriorate or fall away. And so I think for myself, year after year, like giving myself small goals on like a monthly basis or every quarter, however you want to look at it, and then giving myself a goal for the year, I think that was something that was really important. And like keeping it fun and enjoyable, um, I think a lot of a lot of things can get like caught up in the moment and you can look at the micro picture and you like can pick and choose and say, oh man, I didn't do good at this or I didn't hit my PR today or I can't do this many muscle-ups or pull-ups or whatever it may be or I can't lift this load or I can't run that distance in this time. And yes, those are good to have those goals and those aspirations to kind of focus on something and reach towards. But at the same time, if you're not enjoying yourself and you can't look back and say, man, I'm, in, I'm having fun with this, then it, I think it's something that you should reevaluate. And that's something that I think I've done for myself and obviously there's ups and downs, like I will admit from, obviously things are changing for this upcoming year, but anytime after the Open between regionals, it was a time where was the most difficult for Alex and I, and was the, the least fun. Like, mm-hmm. I could consider many times, like, this is my last year, I'm never going to do this again because it's so stressful. Just because we don't know the tests, we don't know what they're testing, we don't know what workups are going to come out. Um, but I think it something like, again, putting things for sake of taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, like, how good is your situation or how bad is your situation? Obviously, yes, things could be way worse. Things could be way better. But if you look at the bigger picture of, like, where you are in life, you're like, man, like, things are pretty good. And I think, obviously, um, with what I've gone through in life and just my experiences with family, I think it's definitely put things in perspective where it's like, hey, I'm going to enjoy the most of what I have right now because things right. can change the drop of a hat. Yeah. And tomorrow may not be a tomorrow, you know? Right, absolutely. I think it's been the biggest thing in my mind. Right, and I mean... You, you mentioned something in there that I, I think is, I mean, that, that hit with me um, in, in all aspects of life. And you said the adaptability part of it. And two mm-hmm. things come to mind, you know, with you specifically for that was your two first place finishes at the games. You had one in 2015, which was the pegboard event, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever did a pegboard before that. Maybe. I don't know. But it was an unknown thing. I think it was unveiled. I think I remember Castro unveiling it at the games, you know, as you guys were standing out there in the Coliseum. Um, yeah. you know, but you performed and were able to, you know, get unknown, adapted to it. Um, and then this year, it came in first for the women on that. I think, you know, I think you, you finished even before some of the guys on that or climbed it better than some of the guys on that. Um, and then yeah. this year in 2018 with the Marathon Row, and I know you've I can't even believe I'm saying this, but you rode a marathon in 2014 before. Um, but mm-hmm. what, I mean, those two things, it's unknown and then it's three hours on a rower. Like what yeah. kind of things are going through your head for those two different events? It's like number one, the, the adaptability part of the first one, not knowing what's out there, but still going out there and crushing it. And then number two, for you, you knew you were going to be sitting on that rower for a good three hours and yeah. you crushed it and sped up at the end and got off the rower with a big smile on your face and waved to everybody in the crowd. Um, yeah. And just explain <laughs> a little bit for our listeners, because I'm sure everybody you know, has different areas where they have to adapt to different things, and I just think it would help them sure. you know, to, to use yeah, some, totally. some advice in that. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things. Obviously, CrossFit talks about that, the unknowable. Um, and I think with things that come up in life that are going to be handed to you, probably not on a silver platter, things are going to be flop together on like a wicker basket and you're gonna have to deal with it i think obviously like going with the role as much as you can is really important um in 2015 when they revealed 
that event, it was like, oh my gosh, the first thought in my mind was <laughs> the gym that I was at in Texas, they just installed a pegboard, and I was like, oh man, like a week before I left for the game, <laughs> I was like, hey, I want to get on there, I should, I should like try that, maybe they'll have that, and he's like, no, there's other things that are more important, like strict handstand push-ups, which I 100% agree, strict handstand push-ups yeah. are one of my weaknesses, and so definitely that was like more dedicated time to that movement. And so I was like, all right, I get it for sure. So when they revealed it, I was like, no way, this is how ironic. That's crazy. I just totally got on the type word. But um, I think, I mean, we in the background, we played around with like, maybe it wasn't the exact same movement, but it was something similar. So I played on the rings. I'm like trying right. to shift my weight from side to side. <clears throat> so I think if you take that and you look at like life and what happens in life, like you may try to prepare yourself as much as you can. Um, this is something I've learned a lot with Alex is in terms of like preparation. Like you may not know the exact same scenario, but you have like 10 different possible scenarios that could happen. Right. If you're preparing as much as you can, then that will at least alleviate some sort of like stress or some sort of concern or that like, what do I do when that happens? Um, and obviously there's things that happen that you want to prepare for because those are going to be imaginable things that you don't want to happen. Um, and I think in terms of like the row, like, I knew, obviously, it's like, cool. It's funny because before, Alex and I were talking about some sort of event that was going to come out this year, the games is going to be really long. We thought right. it would be more of a 30 to 40 mile, mile um, excuse me, 30 to 40 mile bike ride. It's like, cool, we're going to be on the bike for a long time, like, be prepared. But then when the crit race was announced, I was like, well, that's not that long. Maybe it'll be something different. And I always knew in the back of my mind that for some reason, I don't know why, but Dave was going to pull a marathon out because he did mm -hmm. the half marathon in 2013. Which I was like, well, it's going to come out somewhere. Which you finished second in, right? In 2000, where, yeah. from the I was, half? Yeah. Sam. I was like 90 yeah. seconds past Sam. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that came out in 2013, finished second on that one. I was like, well, why wouldn't they pull a marathon row? Like, I don't know. Like, Not that I was like hoping or wishing for it, but I had a feeling like it's coming. Like, we just don't know when. So when Dave announced it, I, I feel like, and I've used this when I've talked to people recently, like, the, but I feel like I was the most or the least expression individual like I had the least amount of emotion <laughs> when they announced that workout yeah. I was like oh my god I was like I saw this coming and I just didn't think it was coming right now um so I think obviously like kind of being okay with it mentally and I think that was a big thing for me it's like all right I know we're gonna be sitting here for a long time instead of having mm -hmm. a pissed attitude not that people did have it right. but if you already tell yourself in your mind like oh man this is gonna suck or oh this is gonna be such a long time or oh this is gonna be shitty well yeah like your attitude is gonna change if you have a negative connotation to it that's gonna in your mind, your your mind is so powerful, more powerful than I think we give it credit to. And I think if you're already telling yourself that, like that's going to be displayed in your physical work or your physical effort. And again, this doesn't have to be CrossFit. It could be your job. It could be school. It could be travels. It could be whatever you're doing, um, fundraising work. Like it just, that negative connotation mm -hmm. is so powerful that it can take over everything that you're doing. And so in my mind, I was like, hey, I'm just going to like go out there, like focus on my plan. And Alex coaches myself and uh, another athlete, Whitney Glenn, who's from the East Coast, yep. from yep. Carolina, yep. North Carolina. And our goal was to get ahead in the beginning and to stay ahead as long as we can and finish one, two, however that worked out. Um, and so my mind was like, all right, just focus on my plan, like focus on what I can do and just be as positive as possible. And obviously people are like, well, how are you going to do that when you have 42,000 meters to roll? I'm like, well, you look at the positive, like, cool, I'm under 30,000 meters or, oh, I'm already halfway or, oh, I'm, I have 12,000 meters left. Like, I'm doing great. Like, and as, as much as it might be mentally challenging, and don't get me wrong, like, there's going to be hard points during that row, and there's points where, like, oh, man, like, I don't feel so good. Like, I was feeling great five minutes ago, now I feel like ass. Like, what happened? But, like, cool, I'm going to take a sip of water. I'm going to have a Gatorade. I'm going to have a goo. And I just, like, focus on that monitor as much as I can and focus on my cadence and my pace 
I had friends that were behind or like in front of my rower, like in the stands, and I had my mom and my sister to the side. So every once in a while, I'd look up to them or they'd wave and I'd smile. <laughs> and I think that smiling, obviously, that positive attitude takes you so much further than I think people can give themselves credit for. Um, and also, like, we've done harvests the past couple of years. We would drive the grapes from Utah to California and in a trailer, a 34-foot trailer that weighs that's carrying like five tons of grapes. We're on the road for at least 10 hours. Yes, mm. you pull over and use the restroom and stop. But I think sitting for so long, like I had that experience. I'm like, oh, I've sat for 10 hours. Cool. Three hours is no, like no big deal. Like, okay, I can do three hours. Right. And I think it's like, as weird as it sounds. Yeah. And you were in the lead, I think the whole time and you have the monitors up there. Yeah. Um, and I think you were in the lead by, uh, by quite a good amount. Um, but those last few polls, like there was something like you what inside you was just like, you, you're going to give it all you had. I think you sped up significantly towards that last, maybe, I don't know, 250 meters, meters yeah. thousand meters, whatever it was. Yeah, what was that yeah. trigger? I mean, you, you were so far ahead, you know, or you were, you were yeah. ahead. Um, you know, what was that trigger that just got you going? And it was like, I'm going to finish this. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. I think, um, in my mind, I've always, like in, in training, I always try to finish strong or finish hard. That's kind of like a, I guess a mental thing that I think. Right. And so that was like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing here. Like, yes, I've been on here for three hours, but I'm going to do everything I got. And it's funny because when I got off the roller and after Whitney finished, she's like, I don't know why you're going so hard. It wasn't like <laughs> I was going to kiss you. <laughs> and obviously we laughed about it and like hugged out, whatever. It was hilarious. But it's like, I think it was just, again, like that's what I've done in training. Like my, I might as well finish strong. Like, yes, no one's around me, but it's like, I have 300 meters left. Cool. After this, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing another workout or I'm not like having transitioned to something else. So I'm just going to finish strong and leave it all out there and hopefully be able to stand up from the road. <laughs> right. So it was, uh, I think that was my mentality. Awesome. Uh, Margo, I have a question. It's Dino again here. So doing that, what was the, what was the worst part of that row? Of the row? Yeah. I think, I think it was the first part when like we had, we all started rowing and then we got like, when like none of the monitors, like hmm. my monitor wasn't working Never and I just freaked out, like literally did like two pulls and then nothing was recording or nothing was recurring. So then my hand went out and I think I, I freaked out cause I was like, this is a bunch of horse shit, excuse my language, <laughs> no, that's but I'm gonna have to be on this for a long time. And if I'm not getting my meters accrued, like that's not fair. I think that was the biggest, like not fun thing right from the beginning. And at one point I thought I heard Dave Castro say like, oh, you guys all thought we were going to row a marathon. I was like, well, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, are we, are we still rowing a marathon or is you psych it's going to be a 500 meter row? But obviously once we found out it was done, then I think that was fine. Um, besides that, I think it was just, um, it was like during it, obviously seeing it mentally was the biggest thing. Um, and just like kind of allocating, knowing when you're going to drink, when you're going to eat something, uh, we were told that if we had to go to the bathroom, you had to get off the rower and go to the bathroom. I found out later that a lot of people, I think men at least, I'm not sure about the women, they definitely um, peed on the rower. So that, I think, happened. But in terms of the worst part, it was either the beginning of it being that false start and maybe at the end trying to move afterwards and, like, my glute need and piriformis and butt and glutes just being so tight that it was hard to bend over. I know it's probably not what you thought you were going to have as the answer, but uh, I think those are the, kind of the most challenging parts, like the before and after, more so than the during. That's awesome. No, I, I, I was just curious. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you, you said something that's so impactful on anything in life. And I think this is something that uh, I love hearing 
from cancer survivors and we've had so many fighters and survivors in here and it's something really fascinating and you're a high level athlete you know who's had great success and has been successful on the entrepreneur side with your wine business which we're going to shift gears here in a little bit but that positive attitude and i think for our listeners at home you know that if there's anything they can they take away from this conversation you know just hearing you say yeah okay let's do this it wasn't like oh yeah. shit like we got to row a marathon or oh my god like yeah. i didn't know we we're gonna run a marathon or row a marathon or we didn't you know because that was a total surprise yeah. to everyone showing up no one knew what the workout was going to be but to just say okay like yeah we got this like you know you're gonna go out you know you're gonna do this thing and you're gonna have fun at it and that is something that is so powerful you know versus having a negative attitude like oh man you know this is ridiculous like it's the last workout how am i gonna move you know and start to think about and i i, I think human nature we kind of i say kind of commits about these things you know like oh my god like what yeah. are we gonna do how's this gonna happen and we had a cancer survivor on recently and he said you know he lives his life one minute one hour one day and that's yeah. kind of the same attitude is like, all right, we're going to take this. We're going to go. And that's so powerful for our listeners at home to hear. So I think that's important. Again, like, obviously we're talking a lot about CrossFit here, but that's so transferable oh. to, again, life. And, like, whether you're battling, you know, any type of cancer or you're battling your own demons or whatever maybe you're going through. Um, and I know a friend of mine, she actually, when I lived in California, when I coached at a gym, she was battling breast cancer. And... Like, she just came in, like, she would do the workout, she would give it her best effort, like, she wasn't so much concerned about the weight or the top, it was just like, she's going to come in there, and it was like, man, like, that is amazing, like, to have this individual who's battling something that's so challenging physically and mentally and emotionally, again, I've never have had cancer, um, so I can't speak to it personally, but it's like I've seen enough friends and family that have gone through um, situations like that, and I think it's obviously going at it and just taking it one day at a time, like, I there's obviously lots of ups and downs and how you're going to feel is going to be uh, based on a variety of things, but like having that positive attitude as much as you can say, Hey, like I'm here today. I'm going to make the most of what I have today. Uh, I'm going to share what I have with people around me because I think it's so impactful. And I think that can carry so much longer in the long run. Like at the end, like if you are negative or you are down in the dumps, it's going to be hard to like want to get up and go do things because you just want to be in the moment or be in your feelings. And I think it's really important to, again, like, take one day at a time or take each positive opportunity or take anything to like just look at some sort of positive like I say you know looking at the glass half full and it's being as optimistic as you can and obviously again not every day is going to be sunshine and roses and there's going to be a lot of changes that occur in life as time goes by and that time for everyone is a little different that could be days could be months years decades whatever but as much as you can as looking at the positive and say, hey, like, I'm grateful for what I have now. I'm thankful for things that I have now. Because, again, things could be worse or they could be different. Um, and obviously, it's, again, I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people. And, and being able to be as positive as possible, it's, it's harder to do that than it is to be negative. And so it obviously can have huge carryover in the long run in terms of what you're fighting. Um, again, not just, like, physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Absolutely, Marva. I totally agree with that. Um, but I want to. I do want to switch gears a little bit away from the, the CrossFit. I have one. Bit. I have one uh -oh. CrossFit question that we're we're uh -oh. sticking with CrossFit because <laughs> I have. I, I am just really fascinated about the success you had there. Clearly, because I don't do as much CrossFit. 
Um, and I, this is all new to me, but looking at your resume, and I mean, you've had some great accomplishments. What is the greatest accomplishment in, in your in your eyes? Like, what do you feel is the greatest thing that you've been able to accomplish over your career competing or coaching um, that you've been involved in the CrossFit community? That's a really good question. Um, it's been, I think, like, I look at everything, and I think, obviously, like, qualifying for six years in a row has been huge, but I know it's not just about what I've accomplished, but also about, for me, it's, like, being able to reach as many people as I can. And I think being able, like, obviously with what I've accomplished and what I've done, um, more people know of me within the CrossFit community and the CrossFit world. And I think being able to travel and see other people and hear their stories and meet them and, like, have them want to share their stories with me has been, like, amazing because I think that's, one, it reminds me of, like, why we're here on Earth and, like, what, what our purpose is or what we're doing to give back. And I think that's something that's, like, man, like, I've been so... Like blessed with what I've done and obviously it's my hard work that I've put in and it's what Alex and I have built up as a team and being able to be as successful as I have physically and, and CrossFit and accomplishing all that but being able to have the opportunities like I think of when I did the invitational um, with the USA team and being able to go to Madrid and like you just see the amount of people that are so excited to see you and, and like be a part of what you're doing like it gets like chills thinking about it and talking about it it's like man like I think, so I think, I don't, I don't know if that kind of directly answers your question, but it's like being able to be on a platform that I can share my story, that I can share whatever I've been through and what I've accomplished and can share that with others, because obviously it's fun to be able to celebrate with people versus just celebrating it with yourself. Um, and I think that's something that I've, I look back, it's like, man, like everything that I've put into, I've put that hard work into it, I've, I've earned it and I've deserved it, but it's like now I get to share with people, like having that opportunity has been pretty awesome. I absolutely love that answer. I think I, that's, I, I don't think we could have gotten a better answer um, planned when I think that was awesome. Um, so now we'll switch gears a little bit. So you do wear a lot of hats, you know, training staff, CrossFit athlete. Um, but the one I'm a lot more interested in a little bit, I think, is the wine portion. Yeah. So just real <laughs> briefly, like how you got into the wine, I don't know if it was traveling to Italy and Spain or... You know, your time out in California or what and it was. why wine? Because that's like a, yeah. you know, like it's such a interesting contrast to CrossFit in yeah. some ways. And I have yeah. I tried some of your Vin, wine Vin and, it, and it's very wine. good. And I'm not a huge wine connoisseur, but um, I do I do recommend it. It's very good. Um, but, you know, <laughs> what was that transition like or how did you get into that and, and why? Yeah, so I mean, it's been part of my life for as long as I remember. Um, my parents actually named me after Chateau Margaux, which is a okay. region of France that Chateau Margaux wine comes from. That makes um, all the sense in the world so now. After that, <laughs> now I know. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, but yeah, my parents have always been involved with it. They would always kind of teach myself and my sisters a little bit about it, like how you swirl it, how you taste it. And like, we'd obviously we'd taste a little bit when we were little, I mean, not like little, but like in our teenagers, whatever years, just learning <laughs> about the wine. And, and obviously if you look at like wine in other cultures, especially in Europe or in Spain, France, those countries, wine is a food group it's part of your meal versus right. it being like a beverage or a drink um so it was always introduced to us in that aspect where it's like you know it's, it can be part of your diet um and so i've just always been interested in learning about it growing up um and in 2011 uh, my family had a piece of property in utah that was going to be made for industrial real estate buildings for storage units and that was kind of right when the market crashed that was actually mm -hmm. 2000 
2008, I believe. And, and so ended up holding on the property in 2011. It was actually was turned into an for agricultural use. So my dad was like, all right, we're going to plant some vines on here. So I went down in 2011 to help plant vines. I was in um, California at the time, helped planted vines. And then every year I've gone back to harvest. So 2012, my sister and my mom came down. We would harvest grapes. It'd be like long days, but like super low intensity. If you think about it, like you're picking grapes for hours <laughs> and hours. Um, then you just send them, you crush them. You let them sit in either stainless steel containers or um, like you have barrels. If you want like oak barrels, you could put them in. Anyway, so we do that every year. Go back and harvest and do that. In 2014, I brought Alex with me, and he came down. And I was like, "Man, this is amazing, beautiful." And 2016, or I guess end of 2015, after the games, it was getting a lot from my dad to do all the physical labor and the physical work. And we were thinking, well, if we want to do like an actual business, an actual wine company, we do like one, be here more, two, we need to get all the licensing set up and look into all that. And in 2016, we like started looking at options. And so obviously like the grape farm has been, is in Utah and that's, it's great. And we were selling grapes for a dollar a pound and you can actually, in Utah, and I, I'm not sure about other states, but in Utah, you're allowed to make up to 200 gallons of wine for yourself, personal consumption. You can't make more, wow. which 200 gallons is a good amount of wine. That's a lot of wine. Um, yeah, that's a lot. So uh, we're thinking, all right, well, if we want to make this a business, we have to look at licensing. And the licensing and liquor laws in Utah is mm-hmm. relatively strict compared to other states. Um, and so we, our goal was to save 2016 harvest. And in order to do that, we needed to get a license uh, rapidly, not rapidly fast, but in a quicker time frame that Utah would have given it to us. So we looked at custom crush facilities in California, and we actually ended up finding one after 2016 we um, talked to a girl, Jessica Banta. She actually worked, worked, was working with the company, and um, we talked to her in Small World. She actually does CrossFit as well. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so we really connected and hit it off with her. She was the compliance manager and winery manager there, and then uh, we hit it off with the winemaker. And so we are, we thought, okay, 2016, after, as soon as we get like down there to first harvest, we'll, uh, we'll get everything set up, and we did a custom crush agreement where we would harvest the grapes in Utah, load them into the trailer, drive them down to California in Paso Robles, which is about, again, like I said earlier, like a 10-hour drive with a trailer. Um, we would drop off the grapes there and then um, sleep in a hotel for eight or nine hours, get some rest, because we leave super early in the morning. Because Utah, again, Vegas, like you guys were here a little bit, like it's super hot, even at night, it's like 90 degrees at night. And so you want to keep the grapes it's relatively cool, mm-hmm. just so the fermentation process doesn't start. And so we drive them in the middle of the night, um, get there in the morning, like late morning, and then try to sleep and then head back the next day. So it would be like a 20-hour drive in two days. Wow. Um, it was doable, just long. But um, anyway, so that's how we got started into it. And then we that for 2016 and 17. And it was tough trying to do both. Like, all right, cool, we're going to harvest. I'm still going to train for the games. And we, like, look at it in retrospect, and it was, like, a good two months off of training. I'd still like work out or we'd do a workout here too or do some lifting, but you're sitting for 20 hours in two days. I ended up hurting my back three times last year because of all the sitting, so it wasn't conducive to obviously the time that I wanted or needed to be training. And so it was kind of a catch-22. It's like, well, what do I do? Like, I still want to be involved and I still want to do this. So like this year we've changed things going forward, but we wanted to get that business started and we wanted to be able to share our passion with wine and fitness. And there's something I, again, I'm looking at like my life and our, our message of what we're doing is, you know, you have your goal and you do whatever you can to reach that goal. You prepare and then you execute on that goal. But at the same time, you also need to review what you're doing. 
um, see if your work's working or actually being effective. Um, but you have to, at the same time, like, enjoy yourself. And so that was our message when it came to the wine. Like, you know, you work out, you work hard, you train, whatever it may be, you rest, recover, and you wind down at the end of the day. And so that was something that we really wanted to kind of capture and share with people. And I love the, the, the whole process of it because it's like you physically put in the labor. You're working 10 to 12 to 14 hour days. Again, super low intensity. You're just harvesting all day. Um, opposite of kind of cluster, you have that high intensity, short duration. But it's like it's so rewarding because at the end of the day, you look down the rows of the vines, you're like, holy cow, myself and hopefully 20 other people with you um, were able to get all this done. And then you put it into the barrel or the bins and then you drive the bins down and then you crush them and you just stem them and press the wine. And it's, it's a whole process. But then it's at the end of the day or end of the 18 months after the wine is aged in barrels, you get a bottle of that and you put it into a finished product. And you're like, man, this is so cool. Like, you have to have to be patient for that product, and that was something that I really loved. And I saw a huge parallel between like that and CrossFit, or again any other fitness. Like you do your yoga, or you're running, or you're cycling. It's like to become really good, you have to put the time in, and it's not just going to happen the next day or the next month. It's probably going to be like months or weeks to reach that goal. And I think it was something that I really loved. And again, I know I kind of went on a tangent right there, but I think that was kind of where the whole desire to, to start a business and to be able to create our own was really important and obviously it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of times where we're like trying to like do too much on our plate and things are falling off and we're like trying to pick them up as we make everything happen but in my mind in both Alex's mind it's like alright we're going to make this work we're going to make this happen let's do whatever we need to do it um, and keep hustling and just keep hustling and keep hustling and it was kind of like it's just a year long venture we went from you know games to harvest so doing paperwork for licensing and then back to training. Then these open starts and then it's like the cycle of these past two years. And it's been a great learning experience. But after this game this year, we're like, all right, so I'm going to go for another year, which I have. I'm going to go for another year this year. Um, i got to change some things so that I'm not missing out on those two to three months of training um, up until October or whatever it may be. I can take advantage of that. Um, and so that's what we decided this year. And obviously now that there's new changes, that's, a, that's another conversation. But uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was something really yeah. cool that we looked into. Again, I, I love being able to share, I think, wine. I think there's so much about it that, that not only the wine about itself and how you make it can be related to life, but also like the story that comes along with it. And it can be beer. It could be anything you have a passion for. But it's like mm-hmm. I love that you can share the story and you can create this memory with someone. And if you think it people and friends and family, whoever you have in your life and connections, is about enjoying these moments that we have together and like creating some sort of memory that you can reflect back on. Um, and obviously when you have something that's an object that you can, that can remember that or like can give a resemblance or a memory to that, then obviously like it has purpose for it or has a reason behind it. And I think that's something that really, obviously can we try to like convey to our labels when we, um, when we wanted to share our wine with everyone. So it's been a, it's been a really fun journey. It's not over yet, so that's good. No, I think I think that's great, and I, I am fascinated, and I love how you're able to mix both of them. I think you started up recently doing, like, Wad and Wine or meeting up with, like, some local gyms out there um, in your yeah. area. Um, I think that's great, you know, to have two passions like that and to give it all the hard work that you're doing and the hustle, like you said. Um, for both of them, I'm sure it's tiring. I'm sure it, it takes a lot out of you and a lot of stress, but... Um, I think it's a testament to who you are um, and who you surround yourself with that it, it it's coming to fruition. Like you said, it's not over, um, yeah. you know, but it, it's a work in progress. And I, I think from what I've seen um, and from what I hear, it's going in the right direction. So. 
Well, Mar- thank you. Yeah, I think it's, I like what you said right there, just in terms of like, you know, surrounding yourself. I think that's really important about putting yourself in a, in an environment that's positive, an environment that's going to allow you to grow. Um, and, and it's unfortunate sometimes that the people closest to you, friends or family, might be the ones that are maybe not as supportive. And I've had plenty of situations growing up in life that you find that out. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, I think that's life where, you know, you think you don't want things to happen or things are going to work in a timely manner. They never do. But I think it's really important to be in a supportive network and environment um, that's going to help you grow. Margo, it's Dino again. I, I really appreciate your, your wine talk here because so my parents were immigrants and, um, you know, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer, and one of the the fondest memories that I that I have of my dad is making wine every year in the fall. And I can remember as a little boy, you know, when we we grew up in a big city in Connecticut, and uh, we would actually go down to the rail yard in in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and they would have mm-hmm. these rail cars that would come in from all I think from California from the grapes. And they would get shipped in a, in, a, in a train and then we would buy, you know, a whole truckload. And then we'd have this system of getting, you know, these buckets of grapes, these these bins of grapes that were probably, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavy into our basement. So we could uh, and I, I've done, you know, you were talking about the crush, you know, and, and everything, the fermentation process. And, you know, my dad had this old school oak crusher that had like these massive weights and we use this thing only during uh you know the harvest and it was just uh that just brings back fond memories so it's just a it's really uh you know just hearing you talk about it is just really appreciation i think for what you're doing which is is really wild i mean i've been blessed and fortunate to be out to california i'm not a wine connoisseur but i have been blessed to be in napa uh, the past couple years, and you mentioned Paso Robles. I actually, mm-hmm. my wife and I went down to Paso last year. We were in between marathons, and what a great part of the country. I think, you know, for those listening at home, if they've never been to California wine country, I think Paso is a better deal than Napa because Napa is really commercialized. It, it can get pricey. Yeah. But there's some great vine, there's some great vineyards and wineries down in the Paso area. And the views are spectacular. It's absolutely beautiful yeah. down there. I was really blown away. And, and that was our first time going down there. And we, we drove from San Fran all the way down to Paso and just a beautiful, beautiful area. But, um, yeah, I, I just uh, I love your conversation and, and your talk there about the wine because it, it really you have a lot of passion for that. And uh, that really kind of hits home for me, just similar to how my dad had a lot of passion for his wine when he was making it. And the whole process is just to me is really fascinating for those who are listening. You know, this is really a science, as you know, um, doing yeah. what you're doing. It's not just, hey, let's throw some grapes in a barrel. Let's crush yeah. them. Let's throw some sulfur in there. And hey, in a couple months, exactly. we've got great wine, you know, and everyone's going to buy it. You know, it, it, there really is yeah. a science and there's a process to it. And what I've seen, the people that do take their time and do do their research and that are professional, um, you know, do some amazing things with wine. It's it's really special. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And that's so awesome that you guys were able to have those memories that experience together. And I think it, I mean, it's different for everybody, but if you have something that can bind you together, family or friends or special mm-hmm. people in your life, and it's just something that's awesome and you experience. And it's, so again, like whether it's hard or not, like it's something that you both get to remember and kind of can take away. Um, and I agree, like, I, I mean, Napa and Sonoma is amazing, but it obviously is definitely very commercialized. Um, and I think, like, 
being able to get away and like obviously still go there it's amazing i love it yeah, up there. it's beautiful it's but yeah like it's oh so pretty but being able to also be to pass the robust like it's so beautiful there as well Oh, it's phenomenal. So does your family still, I know you said now with the growth, like you and Alex kind of drive, does the, is this now still become like a family thing though for the crush, which is for those listeners at home, I'm I'm using the term crush, which is basically when the the grapes are picked in the fall. And that kind of is probably why when you said the CrossFit, I know there's, we haven't talked about it, but whatever variation, I guess the rumors, right? Because nothing's really been officially announced, right? I guess. Mm -hmm. For CrossFit oh, opens, like yeah. Like yeah, so the, yeah. yeah, so nineteen. What they're saying, what nineteen? There'll be two opens. There'll be one in the f- spring, which is traditionally done, and then February, the following October. would be in the fall, which would kind of put a monkey wrench, let's say, for your training if you're supposed yeah. to go pick grapes and you've got a an open to to compete in, right? Yeah. So I mean, it, again, it's yeah. We don't know 100 percent what's going to happen this next year. Yeah. Um, like it's obviously doesn't all know, but we know that there's going to be some sanctioned events. Yeah. Um, we, uh, as far as I know, it's like Dubai, and then I think there's um a couple. I think the other one's going to be uh, in June, like the Granite Games, where it used to be in Minnesota. September. Yeah. It's usually is in September, but now they're going to have one in June. I think I think in one of the most recent podcasts or with a conversation with Armin Hammer, who does Armin mm-hmm. Hammer TV, um, I guess they said that 13 of the 16 sanctioned events are outside the U.S. Wow. Um, but it's like, again, I think CrossFit, I think, I think everything's still trying to be finalized and figured out and they're trying to like create a rule book for everything because obviously it's going to be different going forward. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of unknowns in that aspect. Yeah. So a, a fall open period would not be good for someone in the wine business. I'm not, I'm not stating, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just stating the obvious though. I mean, if you're in the yeah. wine business and grapes are harvested in the fall, that's probably not ideal. Sure. So it puts you in kind of a compromising position, you know, clearly, you know, do you yeah. crush or do you CrossFit? I guess, you know, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in Utah, we would, we would start harvesting a little early cause it's a little harder there and yeah. it doesn't cool down as much as it does in Paso. But I mean, I know I've talked to friends there and the the harvesting can last as long as like November, like early November, depending again, depending on the weather. So again, we don't know a lot of a lot of things we don't know about in terms of like the seasons or the like in terms of like qualifying weeks or sessions before the actual events. We'll obviously have to figure that out. But um, I, my my goal, I typically I kind of assess year by year um, and just focus one year at a time. I think that's really good because you look at like the longevity and obviously like you talked about earlier like. The sport there's younger and younger people yeah i'm like i mean i'm 33 i still in my mind i still think i'm 26 i'm like i'm 26 <laughs> forever and obviously not <laughs> but um i think obviously definitely younger younger people coming in and like i know Laura whole core off super nice gal um and taking second this year she's like 21 i'm like man i got 12 years on this chick like, <laughs> yeah and i think there's obviously a balance like i have a lot of experience and i have a lot of i may have not finished second in the overall games but it's like i know i have a lot like in terms of experience, we have different experiences and different um, journeys, I guess you want to call them. But it's like, all right, I just know for me, it's like I focus on year by year, like one at a time, like what's this goal or what's like, when am I going to go from there? And then usually says after that, um, I mean, being this, the goal obviously is to qualify again for this final, for those games again. We don't know again what the final say with all the events or open the qualifiers and if you do a qualifier do you not have to do the open and vice versa <clears throat> but um the goal is to give it another go this year and then i can assess from there 
Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't wait to see that. And I guess that we'll, we'll all have to, and for our listeners at home that are in the CrossFit community, as I, I said to Vin, you know, I, I think this story about what 2019 looks like is to be determined, right? Like, you know, for I guess sure. it'll all come out uh, eventually. And I think that's something, you know, going back to what you started at, you know, with this positive attitude, like, just like the row, like, hey, it is what it is. And when the time comes to make that decision, you're going to make that decision, but have a positive attitude. Totally. Exactly. Cool. I have a question uh, relating to the wine business. For our listeners at home, and, and you know, where you you mentioned before, you were in Utah. You you crushed the grapes are uh, raised in Utah, and then you bring them to California to crush them and to to produce them. But you're now in Las Vegas. So, are you distributing the wine in Nevada now, or how is that? What how does that relate to, or does that relate? Yeah. I, sh- I guess I should say. And and where can our listeners? I know you can buy it online if you wanted to, yeah. I believe. And I know every state is different. I know some states. Um, I learned that the hard way um, when we were out in, in Napa and in Paso trying to ship wine to various people throughout the country, friends and family. Uh, Illinois yeah. is a no-go. Uh, you can't ship wine to Illinois. I had to ship my wine to Connecticut yeah. and then ship it to Illinois personally. You can't do it through one of the distributors uh, out in those areas. But so why don't you talk to, uh, I, I guess that's two parts. So Vegas, part number one. Uh, if that's related yeah. to the wine business, and then two, where can our listeners buy your wine and find your wine? For sure. So, in terms of yeah, so we started in Utah with the grapes there, um, and shipped them to California, drove them to California, had everything custom crushed in Paso Robles. Going forward, we're going to source more grapes and wine from Paso Robles, just because a lot more. Um, in terms of you think of time under the vines, I know that's kind of weird, but like the, the vines there have been around for a lot longer than. Utah. Utah does have a great history of winemaking. Um, the, actually, the Mormon Church contracted a German winemaker in the 1860s to make wine, so the climate and area is great there, but there just isn't much knowledge about it, so people don't think, oh, good wine can come from Utah. Um, and obviously, the vines are young compared to vines that were planted back in like the 80s or 70s or 90s or whatever. Um, so we'll be sourcing a lot of wine from there, and since our production facility is in California, we can ship to California, Nevada, and a good handful of other states. There's obviously a handful we can't, like you said, Illinois. It's actually a, pretty sure it's like a federal crime if you ship yeah. wine there. <laughs> yeah, no. not like license. I, I tried. So don't try that. <laughs> I tried, Margo. When I was out in California the last time, oh, we yeah. have like friends in, in uh, Chicago, and they were like, yeah, the guy looked at me like he's like, dude, I can't. Like, I can't. You know, like those, those areas, like, there's usually like, whenever you're in wine country, whether it's Paso or Napa, there's always like a UPS or like a big place yeah. where they'll ship these wines for a price because I think the airlines only allow you to carry per person two bottles. Um, and, Correct. you know, if you're buying a case, it's not like you can sneak it on the airline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's right. Olive oil is the other big, you know, out there too as well. So, so yeah. So I remember I walked into one of those shipping centers, and he's like, "Nah, man, you can't go to Illinois." And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Can I pay extra?" He's like, "No, man." He's like, "You and I get in big like, it trouble." Doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So he's like, "You can ship to Connecticut, and what you do from it when you get to Connecticut, that's up to you." And I was like, "All right, I I, re- I can read between the lines. Let's get it to Connecticut, and then we'll figure it out." You're like, you're like, I got it. I'm good. Yeah, I got it. I'm good, <laughs> man. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we do everything through California. So um, in terms of Vegas, we obviously we wanted to come somewhere that was going to be um, a little more 
not unfortunately the best way to describe it. Like they would allow us to get do more opportunities because Utah's really strict with their licensing laws, and we got we tried getting the wine into the state, and they told us no, they have too much wine inventory, and they have forty four liquor stores in the entire state. And Vegas has like 44 liquor stores and then one casino. Yeah. So we were thinking, all right, well, we need to move. We need to like put ourselves in the best place, best situation for the wine and for the business for it to grow. And it was either Sacramento area or here. And Vegas, I think, was a great option just because the amount of opportunities here is so plentiful. Obviously, there's a lot of competition as well. But in terms of wine, like there's not a lot of uh, wineries. I mean, there's a place here where people can make wine. But it, that actually was started because it was able to, you were able to make wine with apples more so than grapes. So that's huh. a whole different story. Um, yeah. But we decided to come to Vegas because it was going to allow us more opportunities to be able to do events. Um, we're close to Paso Robles, so anything we need to do in terms of trips to the winery or trips to um, do any research or talk to our compliance manager, we would always be able to do that. Um, and so being here since June, we it's been amazing because we actually got the wine into Total Wine, which is a liquor store. Um, we got it into the like the Las Vegas Total Wine, so we're working on that with our distributor to actually place it on the shelves. And then we actually got it into Searsucker, which is a restaurant in Caesar's Palace. Um, I think there's a couple of them on the West Coast, like San Diego and maybe in LA. I don't know if you guys have them on the East Coast, but it's um, it's been like a, a kind of a small world in the aspect where our, our distributor CrossFits. Um, the manager of Searsucker also is interested and does CrossFit as well. And so the biggest thing for us is like, what can we do to be able to be supportive of the Las Vegas community here? And what can we do to be supportive of the wine industry? And honestly, what we've done with building our wine company and our wine brand, we've done it kind of passed backwards where we haven't gone the traditional route. We've focused more on the community within CrossFit and the people that have been super supportive to us with what we're doing. Um, and so we wanted to put ourselves in an environment where we can grow and blossom and obviously being in person to be able to say, hey, we have the wine here and go do promotional events is really important and really huge. And like you, we touched base really briefly earlier, but we've done a lot of workouts or uh, yoga and wine nights. Yeah. So we'll do like yoga or moga, which is like a combination of stretching, not just yoga, but we'll combine that with the wine. We'll do the yoga first and then we'll do the wine after, not vice versa even though people have requested it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just because we want to, again, we want to share that passion of, like, fitness. And, again, fitness for everyone is different. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. It could be walking. It could be running. It could be cycling, mountaineering, whatever. Um, but we just want to share that with people. And I know, I know a lot of people that work long days in, like, a regular desk job. Like, you get tight. You, like, you don't have that movement function. So I think it's really important to kind of create that piece of, like, hey, let's, let's unwind. Let's relax with some yoga and then we can drink some wine afterwards and share our stories and it's been great we've been able to do a good handful of those here in the gym and now we'll be we've done some in california as well and we'd like to be able to do more in the future and actually i think we might try to expand and eventually do some in um, arizona and texas that's awesome awesome, awesome. that and would be the goal in the future so and i know there you do have a website um where that can be oh yeah, wine yeah we do have a website so, so it's uh, the vineyard.space and that's where we have um all the wine the goat is the wine that we got into um, Las Vegas. So that's the one we don't have online. That's the only one we're sold out of, which people are like, no. That's so the one I want to try. Selling our production and hopefully bringing more goats available to online. But we can ship to most states. Like you said, can't ship to a handful of states like Illinois, uh, New York. We, we If we get the licenses, then we can, like special licenses for direct to shipping or direct uh, to consumer shipping, we can do that. Um, but like the licenses, when we looked at them, it's cost like $1,000. So it would have to be obviously making sure there was a huge demand where that would 
equal out or cover um, the cost of licenses. Yeah. And obviously, we would love to be able to ship to all 50 states and then eventually abroad, but right now, as a small company, a small mm-hmm. winery, it's not feasible. It's Right now, it's Alex and myself running everything, so it's yeah. it's tough when we're trying to juggle, like you said, so many hats and responsibilities and jobs. We get it done. It's just sometimes right. there's more hours in the day that needed to be. be. Right. And, and you mentioned Total Wine. I know there's one right by my house. Are you only in the yeah. one in Vegas or are you in all of them? Correct. Yeah, we're only in the one in Vegas. Oh. Eventually, we'd like to build expand. Shattered so we'll my dreams, Margo. Huh? You just crushed my dreams on that one. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes. Yeah. No, it was, um, we'd actually originally got it in, in the Total Wine in Seattle. And I was like, man, this is amazing. But I was like, we're not in Seattle right now. <laughs> so we'd like to uh, eventually expand it. And I mean, the, it, it's tough because it's like there's so much that we want to be able to build and like yeah. have the, the growth of the company come and to be able to do that we obviously we need more like production we need more inventory mm-hmm. and obviously we're looking at options now and to be able to do that to be able to grow the company and scale production and whether that be an investor or something ha- come along the way so we can grow it that's what we're working on now um, eventually we'd like to be able to have a place where like people can come and work out and then they can come taste wine and they can relax and recover and that whole mantra of train recover drink wine goes into unison and just again promoting that lifestyle of that balance of like that work life enjoy enjoy where you have balance i think is really important so hopefully we can share that message with as many people out there um and impact someone's life in a positive so margo i mean this is all fascinating and it's, it's pretty dynamic uh to say the least how do you find time you and alex to balance all this because i mean you just told i mean from your crossfit success which has been going on for quite some time the wine that's blowing up it sounds like you know driving the 10 hours i mean yeah you're a little bit closer to paso but you're still pretty far it's not like you just hop in the car and go all right i'll be back in an hour um so so, you know how do you balance all this like what are some of the things that you guys do to to balance this and and you just said something like life balance you know and i think that's so important whether you are a crossfitter whether you are an entrepreneur um, whether you know you're starting a job and starting your career you have to have balance and there's strategies that people that are successful in doing that you know have so for our listeners at home what are some of the strategies or what are some of the things that you guys do to balance all that or maybe you don't yeah, have balance I mean, you know i mean that's it it's a double-edged sword right like some people just don't yeah. and that's okay i mean knowing's part of the battle totally um and that's something i've always kind of in my life um growing up and I'm at least I'm more aware of now is obviously finding that balance and it's it's tough but there are a lot of days that are like go 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 but in terms of time management um, and allocating time and that doesn't have to be like within the day it could be within the month it could be within like a six month period it could be in a year like allocating like what's priority um, and like the past what like two months it's been like a little over almost two months since the games um, or I guess a month and a half a lot of time has been set more on you know, relaxing and enjoying things, like kind of getting back into routine, focusing more on the wine business. But the biggest thing I've noticed when in terms of the time management, like allocating like responsibilities, it's like, cool, like, what are we going to do today? Like, we'll try to sit down and say, okay, the first couple hours are going to be dedicated towards anything business related. Like, we'll wake up, we'll do emails, we'll do phone calls, we'll do anything in the morning. And then from there, it's like, all right, the rest of the day, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to train. Um, obviously, I think the biggest thing for people, again, if you're working a full-time job at eight to five or whatever, eight to six and Monday through Friday, 
time might be limited, but it's like finding time at the end of the day or beginning of the day, whether that's to work out or to spend time with your family or to run errands, whatever it may be. I've noticed when it comes to like like rest days, like cool, maybe I'm not in the gym for those those days, but it's like that's where I'm establishing a lot of the business or maybe I need to run errands or if we need to make a trip. And that's something that's obviously been challenging, but like when we traveled, when we traveled to Paso, like, all right, cool, like, well, tell what time are we going to leave? If we leave, like, late afternoon, we'll get in the evening, but then I can get to the gym the next day, do some training, and then go do, just do some hours. So there might be days where it's, like, less training, like, lower volume, but then I'm still able to get both done. I'm still able to do my training, and then I'm able to do my business. Um, and then some days that plan com- goes completely out the window, and I'm like, well, we have to change that, like, last minute. And I think... I think that's something that I've gotten better with recently where before I'd like ride myself and I was like, man, like I'm not in the gym training all day. Like I need to, but it's like, I need to get this paperwork done. So I like, get the licensing finished or so I like, get the taxes finished. It's like, all right, like if I'm holding myself to the fire. I'm then stressing out about two things, like not training and then not getting the work done. And it's like, well, I'm now not enjoying myself at all. And it's like, I know like, the taxes, not that they're necessarily hard, but they're just time consuming. So it's like, well, what's the best way to make sure I'm getting both things done. And I think, when I have days like that, it's like, all right, cool, like, relax, like, it's going to be okay, like, you have 24 hours in this day, you obviously can't get to stay back, but it's like, I can make the more next opportunities, so I think that's for people that are listening, it's like, hey, like, knowing if you have a plan on one day and it doesn't work, that's fine, like, you can readjust for tomorrow, and it's like, also, maybe you can't get everything done in one day, and I think that's something that I tend to ride myself a lot, like, oh, I want to get all this done today, and then I'll, then I won't have to worry about anything else the rest of the week, and sometimes that's just not physically possible with obviously the time and what you're trying to do. So when it comes to like wine orders or our shirts that we have for the apparel and like filling those and like ordering more inventory, like, all right, maybe on Thursdays I delegate myself these tasks and on Sundays I delegate these these tasks. And then obviously on anything that I need to talk to someone on the phone, right, they're not there on the weekends and I'll delegate that morning time um, to call someone or to make these phone calls or emails that can be uh, accomplished. And then, again, like, reassess at the end of the week or the end of the day, say, what did I not get done? What did I get done? And I think that's something that, for me, I'm such a, I love notebooks. Like, I love actually writing things down. As much as I use technology now with my phone and my computer, I still like having a physical calendar that I can look at. It's like, cool, like, what's my agenda for the next month and a half? Which, funny enough, I actually got a new calendar and I was writing things in here for the next week and a, or the next month and a half. So I think it's really important for people that are, maybe struggling with that like time management is really important so it's like knowing what days are best for you what times are best for you and when when you're like when you're most productive like I know my for myself like mornings are really productive so I can get up and get things done I'll do that so then I can tackle it on other days Um, if I know a project's going to take me like more than a couple hours it's like all right well I'm going to focus on doing that on my rest day or the day that I'm not in the gym all day so then I can make sure I'm getting more of that accomplished if that makes sense you you knock that one out of the park and and I just made a note here. I take notes and um, you got to write a book and I I want yeah. I, I want to I want to buy it when you write it. I think you should. Yeah. I think <laughs> I you should write also. a book. I've no. actually thought about it years ago. I, I'm being dead serious. I'd love, love to write a book, Margo. I, I'm not joking with you. You need to write a book. Like I think when when naturally when the CrossFit thing is done um, and you have more time, you you need to write a book about this and and time management. And that was awesome. Uh, and you couldn't have said that any better, in my opinion. 
I have one last question for you, and we saved the hardest question for the end. And I really appreciate. I know we're we're going over the hour that we said we would here, but this has been awesome. Oh, and uh, there's I have so many wine questions here, but I didn't want to eat the audience's time here <laughs> asking whether you yeah, like red totally or white or steel or oak barrels. I was getting all. I was gonna get really <laughs> geeked out on the whole wine process, but I don't think our listeners at home probably would appreciate that as much as I would. So we'll use that for an offline conversation. Um, Okay, here's the question, and this is a hard yeah. one, and it might th- you might have to think about this one a little bit. Um, what's the greatest gift that you have received or bought that has cost you the least? Is, can you repeat it? What is the greatest gift that I've received? Yep, or you may have bought it that has cost you the least. Hmm. I would say, I don't, know if this is, I don't know if this would fit inside that in terms of like gifts. It's not something I bought, but it's something I feel like I was given, obviously, I think being the oldest of sisters, for some reason, I feel like that was something that's taught me a lot. I know people talk about, um, like, birth order, like, oh, you're you're a middle child or you're the bottom child or whatever, youngest child, oldest child. Um, I don't think, again, obviously, you can't buy that. But I feel like that's something that being born into this world as the first child or, like, the oldest child and, like, having my sisters to, like, watch over and take care of, but also the the personality that I, whether I was given that by my parents or that was just in my DNA, I think that's something that's taught me a lot, like who I am as an individual, um, a combination of curiosity, a combination of resilience maybe in a way, or that a little bit of stubbornness, but also unforgiving and caring towards people. I think, I feel like I've been blessed in that matter where it's like maybe it was bought in or that gift or whatever I got when I was born was given to me as a gift from whoever. Um, I think that's something that's carried from being a little child to where I'm at now. I don't even know if that's what you're looking for in terms no, of No, there's question, no right there's no right or that's what's popped in my head. There's no right or wrong to that answer. It's just a, a really thoughtful and thought provoking question I should say that we ask all our uh, podcast guests and uh, again you know there's no right or wrong and you answered that perfectly perfectly yeah I, yeah I feel like for some reason that's what like came to my mind or that's what came to my head when you asked me that so Oh, that's that's perfect. Cool. So, I, I just want to thank you from from us to take time out of your busy schedule um, to share your positive attitude and you know the inspiration that you gave our listeners here. I have I have been taking notes this whole time, and I'm I, I'm so very lucky to be able to talk with you guys. This is awesome. I think it's really important to be able to connect with people, whether again it's in person or over the phone or Skype or however, and just to be able to like share similar passions or interests. I think it's really important because it's like there's so many people in the world, but you obviously can't physically meet everyone and see everyone in person. So I think um, any opportunity to connect with others that have crossover, I think it's it's really important. So I appreciate you guys having me on. No, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And last thing for our listeners at home, and and I'm going to, I was going to bring this up before, but I think right now is the opportune time. Um, and talk about what you were saying before. And I think for our listeners at home that don't follow, you got hacked a, a couple months ago, right? Your Instagram account? Oh, yeah. yeah. And Ron Ortiz is a good friend of ours. And Ron had posted, he shared. And I, I went out there and I saw like, you know, and, and just awful. I mean, because that's a way that you can connect with your fans and business and everything. And... It was just amazing. It was really cool to see 
you know, and I always say good things happen to good people. And, you know, it was wild to see just the admiration from your peers and from people. I saw people from outside the CrossFit industry sharing that post about how your account was hacked and to refile the page. And so for our listeners at home and why I bring that up is where can they follow you or find out more about what you're doing, whether it's CrossFit or one, what's the best way for them to connect with you as an audience? Um, so the best would be probably Instagram. Um, that's my three two one Go account, which is G A U X. Obviously, a play off the word Go. <laughs> um, and then the Vineyard CrossFit, which is also the Instagram we do for our business. That's probably the best way. And then after that would be like the website, thevineyardcrossfit.com, or the Vineyard.space for wine. Um, that's probably the best way to follow. I have like Facebook, a Facebook page as well, um, and we'll tap into that. But Instagram is for sure kind of the main the main avenue we try to use to promote the business and the wine and our just living philosophy and life in general. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Margo, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be our guest on the Project Purple podcast. And like I said, uh, this has been awesome. I just love your attitude. If you were here, I'd give you a hug. I'm a hugger. And uh, I I think it's just awesome. You know, we just spent over an hour and every bit that came out of your mouth was nothing but positive. So uh, that's what we're about. And this has been awesome. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Margo. Much appreciated. That's a wrap. 